Do you love a beautiful glass of Chardonnay? Or do you fall into the category of ABC, also known as anything but Chardonnay? No matter which side of the fence you're on, this week's episode is all about getting to know Chardonnay. And my goal with this episode is that by the end of you're going to feel inspired to enjoy a beautiful glass of Chardonnay, but also that you're going to feel that you know more about the scrape than you find out that it's way more interesting than you ever gave it credit for. So if you're ready, let's get right into this episode all about the versatile grape Chardonnay. Let's get started. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Wine Chum Talk. I'm your host, Malia Arrowser, and I'm so happy that you're here with me today. If we haven't met before, it's lovely to have you here, and if we have, welcome back. Now for those of you who are new, you should know that I've been a professional sommelier for over 20 years now, and it is my passion and my privilege to make learning about wine not only fun and easy, but also practical. Meaning I wanna make sure that you feel comfortable and confident shopping for wines, not just for fancy occasions, but for everyday occasions when you're making memories with family and friends. On that note, this week's episode is all about a grape that everybody all around the world is going to know, and that grape is Chardonnay. And this grape falls into the beloved category for many people, but for other people, it, it falls into that ABC category, anything but Chardonnay. And like you said at the beginning, my goal with this episode is to inspire you to enjoy a glass of Chardonnay, to give you more details about this grape so that you realize how incredible it truly is because it is so personable, impeccable, and friendly. It gets put on the shelf and forgotten about. So this week, I want to re-inspire you, if you haven't had it for a while, to pick back up a glass of the beautiful Chardonnay. So the way I have formatted this episode is I'm going to jump in with some cool facts about Chardonnay. Then I'm going to talk about where it likes to grow and its multiple personalities in the glass. It just doesn't have one profile. I'm also going to explain why I equate Chardonnay to a beautiful Labrador retriever puppy. So I'm going to explain why I use that analogy. And at the end of the episode, I have some food pairing ideas for you, as well as some wine styles that I have been using to teach with through the years that I think are great examples of the Great Friday, but also some winemaking techniques. So make sure you stay true to the end, because I'll be sharing those at the end of the episode. Let's get started with some cool facts about the Great Chardonnay. The first thing to know is that Chardonnay is grown all around the world. Anywhere that we can grow grapes, we also grow Chardonnay. So it is adaptable to many different climate styles. It does have a preference, and we're going to talk about that a little later. But Chardonnay is grown all around the world. And Chardonnay is the only white grape in the production of Champagne. When you see Blanc de Blanc on a Champagne label, that means white wine from white grapes. And Chardonnay is 100% in that wine. The other two grapes in Champagne production are black. They are Pinot Noir and Pinot Minouet. Grape variety Chardonnay is named after the town of Chardonnay, which is located in southern Burgundy in France. Another cool fact in regards to Chardonnay's origins in the area of Burgundy is that the story goes that around 800 A.D., Emperor Charlemagne's wife basically demanded that he plant white grapes in their personal vineyard which today is known as Corton Charlemagne, because she was sick of looking at the red wine stains in his beard. So we have her to thank for the beautiful wines of white burgundy today. And my final cool fact about Chardonnay is that in 1976, it was solely responsible for putting Californian wines, Napa wines specifically, on the map when the Chateau Montalina tar beat out the French wines from Burgundy at a tasting note as the Judgment of Paris, and that is the day 
that California wines came onto the main stage and Chardonnay from the New World, if you will, came right up to the top of the ladders. If you have not heard about the Judgment of Paris, I'll do an episode on it another day. It is definitely worth a Google and this one for the history books. Now let's move on to where does Chardonnay like to grow? Chardonnay grows all around the world, meaning that it's very adaptable. I'll joke sometimes and say basically you could almost put a Chardonnay vine in a bucket of sand and it will still grow. It tries so hard to please the winemaker. But Chardonnay does have a wish list. Chardonnay does love to grow in a more continental or temperate climate, meaning that it's not too cold, not too hot. The cool nights help the acidity in Chardonnay come alive at night. So a place where it has cooler evenings works well for Chardonnay. In regards to soil, it does love more chalk-based soil, brings some minerality up. In the area of Burgundy, we have some prehistoric seabeds in that area that have lots of chalk and acidity in the soil. So there's a correlation there. But ultimately, Chardonnay is pretty adaptable at different soil types around the world. And it gives us different personalities depending on the climate. In a cooler zoned climate area, so where we have cooler nights, cooler days, we're going to get higher acidity in the wine. When we grow Chardonnay in a warmer climate, we're going to get more tropical flavors and we have to watch balancing the acidity, that mouth-watering sensation, because in warmer climates, those rich tropical flavors can overtake some of the acidity and we can have a wine that's out of balance. So in regards to where does it like to grow, continental climate is ideal for Chardonnay, meaning that we have four distinct seasons, but we do have a more moderate summer, if you will. But in a perfect world, Chardonnay loves to grow in a more chalk-based, mineral-focused soil type. That leads us down to what are the different profiles that you can expect in the glass. And here's where we have the multiple personalities of Chardonnay and why I equate Chardonnay to a beautiful Labrador retriever puppy. The puppy is a classic. It is a beautiful, and they are known to be so friendly, personable, easy to train when you put the effort in, and loyal to their family. And Chardonnay is a great variety, truly wants to do well, truly wants to do good by its winemaker. And sometimes we can push Chardonnay to do too much. And so we get into a cycle where Chardonnay, and this is, I think, where we get a little bit of that ABC, anything but Chardonnay, because if we overcrop it, if we allow it to keep growing, because Chardonnay can be a very prolific grape in the field, the more grapes we allow a plant to produce, the less intense the fruit flavors are going to be from that vine. The fruit gets diluted, if you will. And so we need to do what we call green harvesting in a vineyard in the spring, in that we cut off extra bunches. So we only allow the plant to focus its energy on a set amount of bunches. And in regards to Chardonnay, we can at times definitely be guilty of allowing it to overcrop, meaning that we're producing more of a volume-driven wine instead of a quality in the glass-driven wine. It's still going to be very personable, easy to drink, but it's not going to show its true personality and all of those high qualities that it has if we allow it to just make quantity-driven wine styles. So when we are growing quality styles of Chardonnay, we can have different personalities. If we grow it in a cooler climate, and for this, I'll use the analogy of classic Chablis style in France. So Chablis, northern area in France, 
in Burgundy. And here we have very cool nights. Frost is definitely an issue, but here we'll get more mineral, more chocolate flavors, green apples, some citrus, some lemon, more of a tart style of wine. Chablis is also a wine style that is no oak aging. So this is all about the expression of the fruit in the glass. And so when we grow Chardonnay in a cooler style climate with the lighter style of fruit, with the more acidic style of fruits we have, generally we don't use oak in the winemaking because the oak would overpower those more subtle fruit flavors. And so a Chablis is all about fruit, but also the minerality expression and the more elegant, cleaner, crisper style of fruit in the glass. So that's what we can expect from a cooler climate. So anywhere around the world that we have cooler climates or more coastal climates, you'll also see this and you'll see wineries on their back label say this is a cool climate Chardonnay. You'll see more of those green apples, citrus flavors, minerality, chalk in regards to the descriptors on the back label. And what they're trying to tell you is that they're making their wine in a Chablis style. Now, if we grow Chardonnay in a warmer climate, so in California, Australia, Southern Burgundy, so in the southern part of Burgundy, where Chablis is at the top, you'll have Southern Burgundy in the south, so you have warmer days. When we grow Chardonnay in more sun, warmer nights, here we're going to get more of those tropical flute flavors, and we move from green apple to more red apple, more of those rich, fuller flavors and more body in the wine. The acidity is there, but it becomes not the prominent flavor in the glass. It becomes the backbone, if you will. And here we'll have rich tropical flavors. You might get pineapple, mango, pears, when people will say. Now, when we grow Chardonnay in a warmer climate, we can also use winemaking techniques such as oak aging. So the oak, because there's enough ripe fruit flavors coming from the growing environment, the oak is not going to overpower it. So when we have warmer climate Chardonnay, we can use different winemaking techniques. So you can put it in oak barrels, which will bring some vanilla flavors, some coconut, might get some marshmallow flavors. And this is going to bring a roundness to the wine. The other winemaking technique that we will use, especially with barrels, is called malolactic fermentation. Now, this is a really big name, and basically it means we take tart acids and we convert them into milk glasses, which gives us that creamy mouthfeel. Think of it more of a conversion of acids than a fermentation. And this we can do again with those richer, warmer wine styles. This winemaking technique is done in most reds. It gives us that nice velvet mouthfeel. But with oak-style creamy Chardonnays, malolactic fermentation is used and it gives us that wonderful, rich, velvet mouthfeel when we're having a beautiful glass of Chardonnay. This also gives us a clue in regards to food pairing that when we use malolactic fermentation and oak barrels, we can do more butter, milk, dairy sauces. We can bring in that milk, the richness flavored because we've converted acids in the wine from those tart acids like green apples like we had in the wines of Chablis and we're doing the more creamy styles and that segues into what kinds of foods do we pair with the different styles of Chardonnay. So for food styles let's go back to Chablis. So when you're doing an unoaked style of Chardonnay from a cooler climate that is all about crisp acidity, green apples, lemons, chalk minerality, 
Classically, we'll serve this with oysters. You'll have nice, clean seafood with squeeze of lemon, easy fish dishes or chicken. Again, that lemon tie those flavors together. But we're looking for a clean, elegant style of dishes. And those are going to be perfect pairings for when we're doing warm climate chardonnay with all of those richness, red apples, tropical flavors, oh, aging. So we have some vanilla, some coconut. Here's where you can pull in your butter-based sauces, your ranch dressings, your pastas with cream-based sauces. You can go heavier here, mashed potatoes and butter, your turkey and stuffings, Bernays sauces, hollandaise. This is where when we have this fuller body style of Chardonnay, you can pull in those fruit styles. Where when we're doing cooler climate, un oak style of Chardonnay, we're looking for very clean, lean, elegant food style. So you can see how different. And people will say, well, which style of Chardonnay should I have? It really depends on the day, what you want to pair with it. You're going to need both at some point, but beautiful, elegant styles. In regards to wines that you should try, here's a little homework for you because I'm going to give you some wine styles that I've been using through the years that I think are great expressions for you to try the different styles in the glass. Let's start with Chablis. If you have not had a classic Chablis from France, I highly recommend it, and I'm definitely going to in that direction. Not that we don't do beautiful oak Chardonnays from around the world, but I always think that it's best to start with the classic and use that as the base, and then try other oak Chardonnays from around the world, because Chablis is going to be the iconic style that winemakers around the world are going to focus on emulating when they create their un-oak style of Chardonnay at their winery. So when you're shopping for Chablis, what you're looking for on the label is Chablis. You're going to see it in big words. That means that the grapes came from the entire area. I would recommend you not purchase one that has Tite Chablis on the label. The reason being as these vineyards are further out and the quality may be less. And so I would recommend look for Chablis on the label, and that's going to give you a really good example. Now, vintages can matter here, though it is a cooler climate, so it's not a bad idea just to check your friend Google while you're in the wine store and get an idea. Now, higher tiers of Chablis, you're going to have Chablis on the label. Then there will be Premier Cru and Grand Cru. These, the price point is also going to go up. You don't have to go into a Premier Cru or a Grand Cru. Basically what this means is our vineyard space just gets smaller and smaller and smaller until Grand Cru being our best vineyard sites. But start with Chablis and that will give you a really good idea. And then in regards to food pairings, trying some just peel and eat shrimp, if you will, with a little lemon on top. Some oysters, if you love them, going to be delicious. Easy grilled chicken with some lemon. Chablis is elegant, classic wine style. And a lot of times it gets overlooked. But if you've been enjoying, let's say, a Pinot Grigio, Chablis is going to be in that mouthfeel sensation. But you're going to have a bit more chalk and minerality that comes through. So I can't wait to hear how you enjoy that Chablis. So that's homework number one. Now let's move over to those big, rich, fuller body style of Chardonnays. We are going to have the oak and the malolactic fermentation. And here you are looking for that buttery, toasty, vanilla, red apple, tropical flavors coming through. And here, if you'd like to start with the iconic wine style, you're going to be looking for Pouli Sousse. 
and that's going to be 100% Chardonnay from Southern Burgundy. The other one to look for here is St. Brian. St. Brian is basically across the street from Coulis Fousse, though there will be a price difference, so it's a great option to try as well. But in your shopping, you're looking for Coulis Fousse or St. Brian in the Burgundian section or the French Isle. Now, why you're looking for these it is exactly like how we looked at the Chablis. These are the iconic fuller body Chardonnay styles that winemakers around the world are emulating when they're making a warmer climate Chardonnay. Now, if you want to move on from the French styles, here's where you're going to be looking for California, Monterey, Australia. Again, we make Chardonnay all around the world. So you're going to be looking for fuller bodies of Chardonnay and on the back label, you're going to be looking for those terms such as smooth, velvet-like, creamy, vanilla, coconut, red apple, tropical. All of those descriptors are giving you clues that this is a warmer climate Chardonnay that has been aged in a barrel and will have some malolactic fermentation. Now, in regards to other wines to try, if you're looking to try New World styles, a few wines that I have been using for years in regards to teaching are the Wente Morning Fog Chardonnay. This is a beautiful, elegant wine. The Wente family is also responsible for bringing one of the Burgundian clones of Chardonnay into California, so we have them to thank for that. But the Wente Morning Fog Chardonnay, beautiful, elegant, classic Chardonnay. is a staple in my house. It's a wonderful wine. So that's a great wine to see a very balanced, elegant, fuller body style Chardonnay. The other one is the Kendall Jackson Family Reserve Chardonnay. It is a classic. It's one of the best-selling Chardonnays around the world, and there's a reason for that. So don't be afraid if the price point seems like it's just a little too good to be true. This is a classic wine. It's a great winery. They know what they're doing, and this is what they do really well. So that's another classic one. Now, in regards to the one of the biggest, boldest, most buttery styles of Chardonnay, one of my favorites of a higher tier Californian wine, if you will, is going to be the Rombauer Chardonnay. Now, Rombauer is a smaller wine reach, but this is like liquid butter in the glass. And this is a very special occasion Chardonnay for me. It's very full-bodied, very rich, but with lobster butter and or turkey and stuffing and all of those wonderful things that go along with holidays, the Rombauer Chardonnay is always a favorite of mine. But there's so many different ones, but those are definitely some wine styles that you can try and it's not bad homework. So I would suggest that you pick up a bottle of a classic un-oak style Chardonnay, so Chablis, and try a fuller body Chardonnay side by side and you can see how diverse this grape can be. So try them side by side. You can see where if people have been drinking fuller body Chardonnay, they might be confused about how a Chablis profile shows. So the diversity of Chardonnay gets overlooked so many times and people just take it a little bit for granted, much like that super cute, amazing Labrador puppy who grows into the best loyal dog who you just sometimes forget how great a dog he is, where he's always there. He's just so friendly and adaptable and Chardonnay definitely falls into that category. But again, sometimes we can push it and we can turn it into something that is not enjoyable, that does not show its best self. And that's something we have to be careful of. Let's just recap what we've covered today. We started off with some cool facts about Chardonnay and hopefully now you have a better understanding of just how cool a grape variety it is. 
Then we went in and we talked about cool climate Chardonnay. And then we talked about where Chardonnay likes to grow and how it likes more continental sort of four seasons. Cooler evenings helps to maintain that acidity and balance in the glass, but also how winemaking techniques impact Chardonnay from cool climates such as Chablis and Oaks to full-on warmer climates that give us more of those full-bodied and tropical notes in the glass that allow us to also use different winemaking techniques such as barrel aging and malogic fermentation. Then I gave you a few wine styles to try, so you have a little bit of homework this week to my hope that I have inspired you to enjoy a beautiful glass of Chardonnay, to try the different styles. And if it's been one of those grape varieties that's been on the shelf or you haven't visited for a while, I challenge you to bring it back into your glass and to just sit and enjoy it because a noble grape for a reason. If you have a favorite Chardonnay, I would love to hear about it. And if you try the homework and try an un oak style of Chardonnay and an oak style Chardonnay, I would love to hear how your homework goes. Did it surprise you a little bit? Now, in next week's episode, I'm going to talk you through how you can host your very own wine and chocolate tasting. Valentine's Day is quickly approaching as I'm recording this. And so I wanted to give you some tips on how you could set up your very own wine and chocolate tasting at home. So that's what you can look forward to learning about next week. On that note, I want to say thank you for hanging out with me. I also want to say thank you to everybody who's been listening in. It amazes me on how far around the world this podcast has gone. And I cannot thank you enough for helping me grow and giving me a platform to share my passion with you. So as always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to visit me over on the social media site. So just look at Wine Girl Academy and you can find me on Instagram and on TikTok. You can also email me at hello at winegirlacademy.com if you have any questions or comments you want to share. Or if you're watching on YouTube, just leave the comment below. And I want to wish you all a wonderful week. Cheers to you. Bye now.